You know, some people enjoy composing their own music, chord by chord, and others are happiest when they come across that one perfect song. Work is not a lot different than that. Whether you prefer building your own workflow or using a pre-made template, with Monday.com, you and the team can work in a way that's comfortable for everyone. Tap the banner to go to Monday.com and build your own amazing workflow or find an awesome template. No judgment. Boards to shingles. This is the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. What are you doing on this fine summer weekend? Are you working on your Money Pit? Well, we can help. If you don't know where to start to tackle a project, we can help. If you've got a project going, but maybe you're stuck smack dab in the middle, we can help. You got to help yourself first, though, by picking up the phone and calling us at 888-666-3974. Think of Leslie and I as your home improvement coaches. And if you don't want to do it yourself, we'll make sure that you don't do it to yourself by taking on a project that's too big. 888-MONEY-PIT. Coming up on today's program, one of the most wasteful uses of water around the house happens when we wash cars at home. Did you know that professional car washes actually save water? water and do more to protect the environment. We're going to have more surprising water-saving tips in just a bit. And as the old saying goes, it's not the heat, it's the humidity. We're going to have tips on how to cut the humidity and improve your comfort. And also ahead, our friend Tom Silva, the general contractor from TV's This Old House, is going to stop by with tips on how to install a whole house fan. And he's going to share some advice on when and how it should be used for maximum creature comfort. And one caller we talked to on the air this hour is going to win a roto saw from RotoZip. It's worth 69 bucks and can cut tile, wood, plastic, underlayment, and drywall. So give us a call right now with your home improvement question for your chance to win. That RotoZip will go out to one caller drawn at random from those that reach us on today's show. 888-666-3974. Let's get to it. Leslie, who's first? Terry in Washington's on the line with a decking question. How can we help you with your project? Yes, I have a, an 11 by 12 foot deck um, on the back of my home, and I'd like to put some kind of a roof over it. I, I don't want something to keep the light out, but I, I don't want it real bright. Um, I've gotten five bids and five different ways that they thought it should be done, and okay. I'm thoroughly confused at this point. Um, okay, so what kinds of things are you considering, like awnings and that sort of thing? A pergola, no, awning? No, I don't want an awning. I want it to be permanent so that in the winter when it's raining, I can still go outside. Okay, and what has been the, uh, the cost range of these uh, designs? I've had anything from 1700 to uh, $6,500. Mm, okay. Well, the problem here is that you have no way of comparing apples to apples because what you have is apples to oranges. And the reason you have apples to oranges is because there is a critical missing component of this project. A design and that, plan. And that's a design plan, exactly. So 
what I would recommend you do, since the appearance is very important to you, is this yeah. is the kind of small project that it would be worth hiring a designer or an architect to lay out for you. For the few hundred dollars it will cost you, you'll be able to make sure that this is exactly what you want to achieve with this space, Terry. The designer will work with you to choose the materials, to choose the size, the shape. And it may, Tom, it may have to be an architect because, you know, depending on what the village, town, county, you might need a variance. You might need special permits. It might be something that you need an architect to have approved specific drawings. I don't think you have to have a permit for this size. I think if it was one foot larger, we would have to have a permit. But let me give you one of the other key benefits of this, and that is that once you have the design done, then you can go back to those five contractors and say, this is what I want you to build. So you're not relying on them to design it. You're saying, this is what is going to be designed. Now you can give me a price to build it if you want to build it. And this way you'll have all five contractors bidding on the exact same project. And then I can compare apples to apples. Correct. Because currently okay. you've got each contractor just being like, well, this is what I think. And then the next yeah. one's like, and I but try I think to narrow this. them down, but, you know, so that they, so we're all on the same page, but it just doesn't seem to work. Mm-hmm. Well, and I mean, the other thing is if one of the contractors has given you, you know, I, I doubt there's drawings associated, but say one contractor has been like, oh, here's my sketch and here's what I'm thinking of doing. And, you know, you like what's been, uh, you know, presented. You can then use that. But, I mean, really, an architect, this is where they come in. This is their forte. They're going to help you determine materials. It really will be exactly what you want. That sounds wonderful. All right, Terry, good luck with that project. Thanks so much for calling us at 888 Money Pit. Now we've got David in Mississippi on the line who wants to add some extra insulation. How can we help you? I wanted to put some more insulation in my ceiling, and I was wanting to see if I could put glowing insulation over the rollout, or would I need to go back with the rollout? You can definitely do that. There's no reason to do. There's no reason you couldn't do that. But remember, when you have blown in insulation, it's a lot harder to manage the space up there in the attic if you got to, you know, get around there for storage or, or work. The other option that you could do is just to add some unfaced fiberglass bats and lay them perpendicular to the existing insulation, so you can essentially double what you have there, and that's a lot easier to do. And you can do it yourself. Yeah, and that's what I would like to do. I'm retired and. Uh, some of the stuff that I just want to do, be able to do some of it myself, and that's with the the uh, floor. And I was wanting to do a lot of that myself. Yeah, you're just you're retired, so you're looking for projects to keep you busy. I know. Yeah, that's you're tinkering. <laughs> <laughs> I'd like to, you know, I want to be able to do it right. I, I want to do a professional job and. Uh, on, on the floor and space. All right. Well, I think that insulation is an easy project for you to tackle, David. Okay. I sure appreciate it. I listen to y'all show all the time. I sure appreciate all the information I get from y'all. You're very welcome. Thanks so much for calling us at 888 Money Pit. You are tuned to the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show on air and online at moneypit.com. Now, you can call in your home repair, your home improvement question, 24 hours a day, seven days a week at 1-888-MONEYPIT. 888-666-3974. Up next, we've got advice on water saving this summer. It's peak drought season. We'll teach you how you can conserve both money and water after this. Hey, this is Mike Rowe from Dirty Jobs, and I've just been told that Tom and Leslie might have a dirtier job than me. I find that hard to believe, but then I heard they worked in a pit. That's a money pit, but still filthy. Money 
The Money Pit is brought to you by Porter Cable professional-grade nailers and staplers. With over 100 years of experience producing quality, performance-driven tools, Porter Cable continues to be a leading manufacturer and marketer of professional-grade pneumatic fastening tools and compressors. Available at the Home Depot and independent retailers. To learn more, visit portercable.com. Making good homes better. Welcome back to the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show on air and online at moneypit.com. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. And we've got a fantastic tool to give away to one lucky caller drawn at random from those that reach us for today's show. It's called a Roto Saw from Roto Zip. This is a new spiral saw system that's specifically designed to tackle plunge and freehand cuts in nearly any building material. We're talking about tile, wood, plastic, laminate, underlayment, drywall, you name it. And it comes with a dust collection system that cuts down on the debris, while the venting works to keep dust away from you, the user. It's worth $69. Check it out at rotozip.com or give us a call right now at 888-MONEYPIT for the answer to your home improvement question and your chance to win. David in North Carolina, you've got the money pit. How can we help you today? I have a, a project that, that, I, that I'm trying to undertake here. It's a, a large circle of granite rocks and mortar around a tree. And the tree was small and there was no problem. And for 15 or 16 years, there was no problem. But uh, lately, there, there's been developing these cracks, uh, vertical cracks, where the the rocks are separating from the mortar, and I, I think it's because the uh, the uh, roots have gotten so big that they're push, pushing out. But I don't know. I need to have something that I that is uh, like flexible and will at least hold it, or I've got to do something else. I don't know what. Well, and that's it. Look, you enjoyed this tree for uh, those 15 or 16 years, and yes, now it's finally growing up and becoming an adult. It's going from a baby tree to a big boy tree, and so it's lifting up all that masonry around it. You're not going to stop this from happening, David. Uh, if you don't want to see cracks, you could use something that was more like a, a brick paver patio, but that's going to move too. You're just not going to stop this from happening. So you either have to kind of work with it where it is, or you have to take out the tree. Those are really your two options. You're not going to be able to. Well, I can't. I can't take out the tree. It's just too beautiful. Then you're just going to have to accept that this is the way it's going to be, and maybe think of some other design for that particular area that accounts for this. Why not just replace it with stone instead of like loose stone instead of anything that's more of a of a brick surface? Oh. Then you could just sort of rake it around. Yeah. Yeah, you could rake it around as as the roots start to show. You'll have a little bit more maintenance, but at least it won't be a hard product like uh, concrete or granite. Okay. Well, that sounds that sounds like a solution. I'll give it a shot. And I'll let you know in a couple of years how it works out. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Thanks so much for calling us at eight 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 Money Pit. Well, this is the peak season for water conservation. Now, you can do simple things like taking shorter showers or washing only full loads of laundry. And don't forget, there's no need to pre-rinse those dishes before loading the dishwasher. But if you're washing your car at home to save water and money... 
you might be surprised to learn that you aren't doing yourself any favors. It actually makes more sense to go to the car wash. Yeah, you know, after lawn watering, summer car washing produces the largest demand for water use. It's probably both the water that gets on your car and the water that gets on the kids and the rest of your family as you're washing the car. But professional car washes use less than a tenth of 1% of the water used in a municipality daily. So you also need to think about the detergents and the chemicals that you're sending into the ground when you wash your vehicle at home. So think about taking your car to the car wash instead because they actually recycle that material and keep it out of the environment. That saves water and keeps the chemicals from entering lakes, rivers, and streams. We've got more water-saving tips just like that at moneypit.com. Laura in South Carolina is just not enjoying the taste of a popcorn ceiling. (laughs) Tell us what's going on over there. Well, a tree fell on the roof of our house, which caused the the ceiling to crack in the bedroom. Mm -hmm. And we've gotten the roof fixed and all those things fixed and everything. And so we, we redid the the drywall and the and the plaster and the ceiling, but we can't match the popcorn so that you can tell or not tell that there's been damage, and we don't know what to do. How have you tried to uh, patch it? Well, we took we patched it first. We removed the section that had actually come through the, the ceiling, yep. and put new you know the new ceiling up, and yeah. then we plastered over the crack because there was like two cracks where the edge of you know the, the width of the tree was. Right. all the way to the middle of the ceiling, and so we plaster that, and then we try to use that popcorn texture that you get at, like, Lowe's or Home Depot. And the spray can? And you, yeah, and look, no, we tried the spray, but that was so, so messy. And uh, then we got the can of it, the little container of it, where you use right. the putty knife or the paintbrush, and try to put that up, but it does not, it looks horrible. It looks like water is dripping mm. or, like, big drip marks. Right. And it just does not match at all. We don't know what to do. So did you um, file an insurance claim for this uh, act of God? Oh, yeah. It wasn't actually an act of God. It was a dead tree from the neighbor's house. Okay. Well, but it's covered by insurance, right? Yeah, the insurance took care of it. So why didn't they go all the way and just restore the ceiling? This was something that is covered by insurance, and you had a popcorn ceiling, and you deserved to have that ceiling restored. Why didn't they just pay for a painter to come in with the popcorn ceiling machine and, you know, just respray the whole thing? Well, it was kind of a mistake on our part because there was a gentleman that lives in the neighborhood who's a contractor uh-huh. that we got. And uh, then he finished the outside and most of the inside, but didn't finish that part. All right. Well, live and learn. I mean, you probably can go back to them. But look, are you really in love with the popcorn ceiling? Because most people are not. I mean, most of the calls we get about popcorn ceiling is how to get rid of it. So the other option here <laughs> exactly. is just to get rid of what's there and match it all. And you can do that. It's not really that hard to do. You dampen the ceiling with, uh, you can use like a pump-up sprayer to put a little bit of a water spray on it. Not terrible, not a lot, but just enough to dampen it. And then you can scrape away the popcorn with a putty knife or with a drywall knife, like a spackling blade. Right. And you get that off the whole ceiling that way. And then you prime the whole thing and then you paint it with a flat paint because it won't reflect light when it strikes across the flat paint. And that usually blends in quite nicely. So if you're not satisfied with the patching, because it sounds like you're using the right products, and if it's not looking right to you and you can't have the entire ceiling restored, then why not get rid of the 
popcorn that remains and just go with a popcorn-free ceiling. Yeah, that might be the best. But I didn't know how hard it would be to remove that ceiling, so we didn't want to start something that we didn't. Know yeah, it's not finish, easy, but it's not terrible easy either. So that, that's uh, I think that's your best approach. Yeah, it sounds like it's going to be our only option at this point. All right, well, thank you so much. I well, appreciate it. You're very welcome. It. Good luck with that project. Thanks so much for calling us at 888-MONEYPIT, 888-666-3974. You know, I don't know if Laura did this, but if you do have something that you can file with your insurance company for, for protection or for coverage on, I should say, you really want to get a public adjuster in at the get-go, because public mm-hmm. adjusters work for you, not the insurance company. They work on a percentage of the claim. They're always going to find more than the insurance company adjuster does. And this is a perfect example of the kind of thing they would not miss. You know, They wouldn't put in for the popcorn ceiling to be patched. They would include a big budget number for the entire thing to be restored, completely replaced. And if you do that at the get-go of a project like this, it's going to come out better. And the other lesson, I guess, Laura learned is never hire the nice man that lives around the corner to do your project when you know get enough money for it and 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 have a professional do it it's not a part-time job no and it can never end well when utilizing a neighbor's help exactly now we've got ben in arizona who's dealing with a situation of arachnophobia what's going on with those spiders oh not a whole lot <laughs> they're uh they seem like they're overtaking our yard i can mow and uh they they just scatter Everywhere, I, you know, I kill anywhere from thirty to fifty of them every time I mow. Do you have any idea what kind of spider it is? Uh, no, they call them, from what I've heard, they call them wood spiders. And I don't know if that's what they're really what they're called or not, but they're uh, brown and they kind of got uh, black streaks across their backs. And some of them are small, and you know, some of them they look like they get to like two two inch diameter or so, something like that. There's actually a couple things that you can do to try to c- control these, um, the population of, of these wolf spiders. Mm-hmm. First of all, things that you can do on your own are to try to eliminate their nesting sites. And that is areas where you have bushes, ivy, grasses, or any plant that is right up against the house, you know, wood piles, uh, lumber piles, rock piles are all places where these spiders can nest. But the most effective way to get rid of them is to use a pesticide. Now, you can either do this yourself or you can hire a pro. If you want to do it yourself, there is a pesticide dust that you can buy in a lot of places. I know it's available on, on Amazon. It's called Eco-Exempt D-Dust, the letter D, Eco-Exempt D-Dust. And it's an organic plant-based insecticide that's ready to use, and it's pet safe as well, which is important. I got to tell you, if I had kids and I had that much of a problem, I'd probably have it done first by a professional, and then I'd follow up with my own do-it-yourself pest control after, because the products that the, the pros use are just far more effective, and they are absolutely safe if they're applied by a trained professional, you know, according to label directions. Does that make sense? Okay. All righty. Good luck with that project. Thanks so much for calling us at 888- Money Pit. You are tuned to the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show on air and online at moneypit.com. Well, if you're running your AC but your house is still hot, we'll tell you how to install a quick and clever way to stay cool, a whole house fan, after this. On the Money Pit Radio Show, pick up the telephone, fix up your home sweet home by calling 888 
making good homes better. Welcome back to the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. And you can follow the Money Pit's Pinterest page and get great ideas on everything from outdoor entertaining to energy efficiency. You can pin articles, blogs, and more directly from our website with our Pin It button and then share our pins or pin your own great ideas to our boards. Find it all on the official Money Pit Pinterest page. All right, now we've got Pamela in Tennessee on the line who's got a shingle question. What can we do for you today? Our house was built in 1994, and it's at the point where it's going to be needing a new roof, and we started getting estimates. And the last man who came offered to put a new roof over the existing roof. And I had thought, I had read somewhere that that was never a good idea, but he gave us the two options, you know, the price with removing the old and putting on the new, and another one for just putting a new layer over the existing roof. And I was just trying to find out which is the best way to go on that. Well, Pamela, both are viable options for roof replacement. It kind of comes down to how long you expect to be in that house. So is this a house where you think you'll be in it for the next 15 or 20 years, which would be the life of the new roof? Well, we would like to move tomorrow if we could. (laughs) (laughs) We've had it on the market a couple times in the last couple years, and we haven't even had any lookers with the economy being what it is. So we haven't really had any issues with leaking as far as we know, but every time it storms or the winds blow really hard, we lose a few more shingles. Right. Okay. Well, that's really good to know. So so the answer is that you most likely will sell it say in the next 10 years, because the economy will eventually recover in the real estate market. And the reason I ask that is this, Pam, because when you put a second layer of shingles on a roof, the first layer tends to hold a lot of heat, which causes the second layer to wear out just a bit faster. I've seen it wear out anywhere from from 25% to, say, 33% faster, from a quarter to a third faster. So that means that you'd have a bit of a shorter roof life instead of going 20 years on the next roof, maybe you'll go 15. However, it does save you some money. So when does it make sense to tear it off? Well, if you're going to be there for the whole 20 years, 25 years of that roof, then I would say tear off, go down to the plywood sheathing and go up from there. If this is a short-term house for you and you've already got just one layer, so you're only putting a second layer on, no reason not to put a second layer of roof on that. It's clearly going to last for the next several years and more. And by the time uh, you're ready to sell it, no one really cares whether there's one layer or two. They only care whether it leaks. And mm-hmm. when that new owner okay. gets around to uh, replacing the roof, then they'll strip everything down to the sheathing. But that will be their expense, not yours. So I think it's okay to put a second layer on at this point. Okay. Well, I appreciate your answer. I had just not had anybody else you know, give us that option. It was just this one guy. And so I didn't know if it was a good idea to do that or not. You know, I would also check with your village. Only The only reason I say this is that when we were looking into having our roof replaced, um, the rules within our village were that if you were putting a new roof on top of your existing shingles, you didn't need any permitting. But if you were taking off the existing and putting on a new set of shingles, you know, getting down to the sheathing, then you needed a permit. Just It's just something to look into. Okay, well, I appreciate that because I wasn't aware of that, but I will check into that. And I thank you both for your answer. You're welcome, Pam. Good luck with that project. Thanks so much for calling us at 888 Money Pit.
Well, if you'd like to cut cooling costs without flipping on your air conditioning, a good option is to install a whole house fan. That's right. And unlike an attic fan that only cools the area above the ceiling space, a whole house fan gets mounted in your ceiling and cools your house for a fraction of the cost of turning on your central air conditioning system, or for that matter, a bunch of room units as well. Tom Silva, the general contractor on TV's This Old House, is a pro at installing whole house fans and is here to tell us more. Welcome, Tommy. Hi, guys. Nice to be here. So, Tom, many people that we talk to confuse whole house fans with attic fans. So why don't we start there? Can you clarify the difference and tell us exactly how a whole house fan works and what it does for us? Well, an attic fan is meant to cool the attic, which will cool the house ever so slightly. But a whole house fan is meant to change the air in the house, completely cooling it through the windows below. You want to make sure that you have a fan with a lot of CFMs, cubic feet per minute. And the more it draws, the faster the air will be drawn through your house, cooling it. So then we open a couple of windows up below, we turn the fan on, the whole house fan, and mm-hmm. then it just pulls a nice breeze through the house for all the time it's on. Right. But you have to make sure that in the attic there is enough opening that will match the CFMs of the fan. In other words, you have to make sure that the gable vents, the ridge vent, and even the soffit vents combined will match the CFMs push or draw of that fan. So you don't need a mechanical system in the attic to draw that air out. It can be done through passive systems like the gable vents yes, and the soffit vents. but you can have a mechanical system that will work with the fan, but a passives are fine. I'll tell you, we had a whole house fan in a home that we owned previously, and it's amazing. When you turn those on, the depressurization is instant yeah, you inside the house, it. and you feel it, and you yeah. pull that cool air in, and, and so much of being comfortable just having that air sort of move over mm-hmm. your skin. Yeah. But when you look at the power draw, it's just a fraction of what air conditioning costs. Around. It's a fraction of the cost. Exactly right. But you don't want to have a fire going in the fireplace if you yeah, have a whole that's house a good fan, point. You know, because it will create <laughs> negative pressure down your chimney. I had yeah, a homeowner and, and, that do, did that once. Yeah, not only the fire in the fireplace, but I guess it could reverse drafts on water heaters and that sort yeah, of thing. Absolutely. Yeah, so you yes. have to use it. You have to use it smartly. So let's talk a bit about the installation. Uh, how do you get this big fan into your ceiling? What kind of carpentry works involved here, Tommy? Well, you you basically when I say you're going to install it in a hallway on the second floor, for example, you're going to be in between two walls. Usually, a joist are supported on the two walls on either side of the hallway, so you are able to head it off by heading off. Means means cut one of the joists out and then put the fan into that opening. But they do have whole house fans now that will actually sit on top of the joist. So you cut the plaster away. You don't have to worry about restructuring. It's just supported by those joists. It's supported by those. And then you build a box uh, down to the opening in the ceiling. Turn the floor into sort of the duct that just basically brings right, it down. Right, And we actually installed one on Astasol House where it fit in between the joist, and it was uh, really nice. And when we turned that on, it actually had two electric insulated doors that opened up, and they had a lot of insulation value to those doors. So that's important. So when the fan isn't working, you want to make sure that it's closed off and mm-hmm. sealed for the winter. Because essentially it's opened up to your attic space, which is your unconditioned area. Exactly. Yeah, and you get a lot of heat loss. Mm -hmm. when it's not running. We're talking to Tom Silva, the general contractor on TV's This Old House, about how to install a whole house fan, a project that can keep you cool and comfortable and cut your cooling costs at the same time. Tom, one more final question. Uh, Let's talk about the wiring for a whole house fan. Any tips on what it takes for the wiring and the switch? You're going to have to get an electrician to rent power to it and switching. So the switching, in most cases, is near the unit and it's up on the wall. I I always recommend putting them up a little bit higher 
higher so that the young kids can't turn them on. You know, you don't want that fan <laughs> running when you don't want mm-hmm. it running. So, yeah. and how about a timer? A good idea. A timer is good. Yeah, sixty-minute timer, two-hour timer, just a turn type that click. You know, you don't hear them clicking, but turn it on because you don't want it running during a hot day. That's for sure. And when you turn it on before you go to bed, it makes a big difference. And by the time you fall you know, asleep, you don't it, care. Yeah. That's right. Exactly. <laughs> Any areas of the country that this is a better application for than others? New England is great. <laughs> You're like we're in it. It's perfect. <laughs> yeah. No, New England is great. But when you have hot, muggy nights, a uh, Air conditioning is going to. Yeah, it's not going to take the place of central AC, but you know, it's definitely going to. In the beginning of the season and the the end of the cooling season, it it definitely can supplement what you're doing with central AC and save you money whenever you Mm -hmm. use it. It's a big savings. Tom Silva, general contractor on TV's This Old House. Great advice. Thanks, Tommy. Thanks, guys. All right, you can catch the current season of This Old House and Ask This Old House on PBS. For your local listings and step-by-step videos of many common home improvement projects, visit thisoldhouse.com. And This Old House and Ask This Old House are brought to you by The Home Depot. More saving, more doing. That's the power of The Home Depot. Still ahead, learn why excess humidity in your home is not only uncomfortable, it's downright dangerous for you and damaging for your home. We've got high humidity cures for you after this. You live in a body pit. Pit is brought to you by Porter Cable Professional Grade Nailers and Staplers. With over 100 years of experience producing quality, performance-driven tools, Porter Cable continues to be a leading manufacturer and marketer of professional-grade pneumatic fastening tools and compressors. Available at the Home Depot and independent retailers. To learn more, visit portercable.com. Making good homes better. Welcome back to the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show, where home solutions live. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. The number here is 1-888-MONEY-PIT. One lucky caller that we talked to this hour is going to win the Rotosaw from Rotozip. Now, the Rotosaw is compatible with more than 20 different cutting bits, and it's powered by a 5.5-amp MagnaCore motor that handles even the toughest materials without getting bogged down, and it weighs just 2.5 pounds. Check it out at rotozip.com and give us a call right now at 1-888-MONEYPIT for the answer to your home improvement question. Well, you hear people say it all the time. I could put up with the heat if it weren't for the humidity. Now, it's true that your house would be more comfortable and healthier if you could control the moisture level in your air. And the good news is that you can with a product called a whole house dehumidifier. That's right. Now, a whole house dehumidifier is going to hook right up to your HVAC system. So what's going to happen is all the air moves through the system. It's actually going to suck the moisture out of the air, and then it's going to exit through your condensing unit or that same drip pipe. It's just going to get out of the house. You don't have to empty any buckets. And I think one of the leading models removes 90 pints of water a day, which is a huge amount of water. You know, it's almost enough to fill up one of those five-gallon water jugs that you see at the water cooler. I mean, it's a tremendous Mm -hmm. amount of moisture. And if you pull that out, then it's just a lot easier to cool your house. You're going to be more comfortable. You won't use the air conditioning nearly as much because with that much less moisture in the air, your skin will cool more evenly and more rapidly. And it's just a really smart thing to do. Again, it hooks up to the HVAC system. Contact your local HVAC contractor for estimates and prices on picking one up and getting it installed. It has to be professionally installed, but it's a real nice thing to have that you will really appreciate this summer and every summer to come after that. 888-666-3974.
Now we've got Bruni in Alaska who's looking for some planting help in Alaska. Some cold plants, I guess. <laughs> Fake ones. Welcome, Bruni. How can we help you? We have a very narrow swath of grass, which is actually just moss and tall weeds. Like, uh, can't quite tell what kind of weed it is. And it, there's no grass growing. It's just moss and it's damp. It's on the north side of a building and it's just at the edge of the deck. So okay. it virtually gets no sun ever. I think it's uh, crabweed, I think it's called, or some kind of a ferocious weed that grows uncontrollably. Okay. So I was wondering if you could make any suggestions what else I could grow there. Well, the key here is to understand what hardiness zone that your area of the country is in. And anybody that lives in Alaska is pretty hardy by my book, but there are actually hardiness zones there. And and, um, taking a look at uh, the uh, U.S. Department of Agriculture's site, uh, Leslie, what zone does it look like she's in? It looks like Anchorage is placed in the 3B3A zone, which would put you in the minus 40 to minus 30 degree temperature zone. So that kind of gives you an idea of what hardiness of plant or grass that you would need to sustain, you know, those temperature swings. And if you go to the almanac.com, which is the website for the Old Farmer's Almanac, they actually have a guide there that has all of these plants listed by hardiness zone. So there are actually quite a few plants that will survive, believe it or not, in that hardiness zone. And they're all listed there in a directory on the Old Farmer's Almanac. So I think that would be a good source for you. Gives you lots of options on what you can do with that space based on that hardiness zone and, of course, the amount of light. And hopefully we can get something growing there pretty soon. Thank you so much. That's very nice. This is the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show. Up next, choosing flooring for your basement can be tricky because it needs to be waterproof and warm. We'll talk about choices for a great lower-level floor after this. Pit is brought to you by the new Chamberlain Garage Power Station, an air inflator, utility cord, and LED task light, all together in a new three-in-one tool, exclusively at the Home Depot. Where home solutions live, this is the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Sugretti. And waterproofing your home is really the surest way to protect your home's value. And if you're selling, you want to keep your buyers interested. If you head on over to MoneyPit.com, Search basement waterproofing tips. We're going to tell you the right way and some wrong ways to keep the water away. Now, while you're online, if you've got some questions about what you're working on or you want to share pictures of your projects or you just have some questions, you can post your question in the community section like Andrew from New York did. And Andrew writes, I want to install a wood laminate or something similar in my finished basement. The room is below grade, but so far we have had no moisture. We do find that the floor gets cold, particularly to bare feet. The current floor has a double pad and a Berber carpet. What can I use for a subfloor so that I can insulate under the floor somehow? First of all, we congratulate you for removing the Berber carpet. We both feel that carpet in a basement, except for an area rug, is really a bad thing because think of the carpet as a big filter. And in the basement with the moisture... Uh, and the debris that gets stuck in the carpet, you're going to get dust mites and other forms of contaminants that really can make it a very unhealthy space. So pull up the carpet, and then you're going to add a, a subfloor before you put the, one, the wood laminate floor down. Now, there's a couple of ways to do that. 
you can lay foam between furring strips on the floor. You could use a prefabricated subfloor where there's there's a prefabricated subfloor that's like wood panels with like rubber feet that lock together that work very nicely. Um, and when you put the laminate floor down, there's usually an, an insulating layer that goes in between that and the subfloor. It's very thin, but it does the trick. And it also helps keep the floor, make the floor a little bit more comfortable. Uh, you mentioned laminate, great choice for a basement. Another choice might be to, to think about installing engineered hardwood. You can't put real hardwood in the basement, but you can put engineered hardwood that's made up of multiple layers of wood glued together 90 degrees apart. It's dimensionally stable and it will stand up uh, to the moisture. So I hope that helps. There's a few tips for doing a basement floor. It's a little bit different than doing floors in other parts of the house. But remember, carpets are out, laminate or engineered hardwood is in. Is it an option to go ahead and put in some sort of radiant heat or those mats to sort of create radiant heat, especially since he likes those warm toes? You could, if you have a hot water system heating your house, that would be the most cost-effective way to do it. You could do it with electric radiant heat. It would be much more expensive, and I would only recommend it if it's you know, you're in a cold area and it's really a room you're going to use a lot because it's going to be very costly to operate. All right. Next up, we've got a post from Gail in New Hampshire who wrote, I'm moving into a 120-year-old home. The cedar siding is very dark and dirty looking. How do you recommend I clean it or can it even be cleaned if it's that old? Well, the problem is that cedar siding does naturally turn dark. And so it's very difficult to sort of brighten it up again. I would suggest that now's a really good time to think about staining it. You could prime it first and then stain it with a solid color stain. Have any color you wish, Gail, and it'll last for a very long time if it's done well. I think if you did brush it or sand it and lighten it up, it would only last for a very short period of time. Uh, staining it is the best way to have long-term protection and get the color that you appreciate. Mm -hmm. And it's finally, you know, after 120 years, maybe your house is looking for a facelift like that. Everybody loves good cosmetics. This is the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show. Thank you so much for spending this hour with us. We're happy to take your calls 24-7 because we never sleep. Well, actually, I sleep once in a while, but I make Leslie stay up and answer the calls. So call us 24-7 at 888-MONEYPIT. Seriously, with your home improvement question. You can also post it online in the community section at moneypit.com. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. Remember, you can do it yourself. But you don't have to do it alone. Our bodies come in different shapes and sizes, so doesn't it make sense that our weight loss plans should too? That's the beauty of Noom. They build a personal plan that factors in dietary restrictions, medical issues, and other personal needs so your plan works for you. Noom doesn't restrict or shame when you want to treat yourself. Their flexible program focuses on progress instead of perfection. You don't have to give up carbs or anything. And with their daily lessons, you can learn something new about your food choices every day. After just a few days of using the app, I learned how to recognize cues for overeating and how to choose the right foods to feel full. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M dot com. And check out Noom's first ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for a hundred healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold.